You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 10. In last week's episode, we talked to founder of Fashion Mamas, Natalie Akala, on how to balance motherhood and a career in online marketing and fashion. This week's episode, we learn how to fast track our influence with Sarah Boyd, founder of Simply Stylist. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hi, Influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. I am really excited to bring in a dear friend of mine and fellow boss babe to chat with you today. Sarah Boyd is the founder of Simply Inc. and Simply Stylist. Simply Stylist is the catalyst for bringing fashion, beauty, and tech mavens together to network, mingle, inspire, and create new relationships, all with a dose of kindness. In 2012, Simply Stylist emerged as the first and premier style conference solely focused on fashion and beauty insiders, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and influencers, and continues to pave the way for how experts collaborate to move the industry forward through social media. With conferences spanning across the United States and reaching a global audience, Simply Stylist provides a unique destination for brands to interact with influencers and active consumers and engage their network of followers. In 2014, Sarah created Simply Digital Network to assist celebrity bloggers in navigating the digital space and monetize their blogs. Through the digital network, Sarah works with celebrity clients, including Alessandra Ambrosio, Laura Bushnell, Jamie Chung, Ali Fedotowski, Olivia Colpo, Kat Sadler, Brandy Cyrus, Audrina Patridge, and Julian Huff, to name a few, and brands including Coppertone Dove and Hair Food. Sarah was named by Forbes Magazine, one of their female founders to watch in 2013, and as of this month, Sarah announced a major accomplishments that simply was just acquired by Nylon and Socialite. Sarah is also a mom and is always so intentional about building up the value of the influencer space, which we are going to dive into today. So Sarah, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you've built. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, let's just dive right in. I know that I kind of um, just you know, name dropped a lot and spewed a lot out, but I would love in your own words to kind of share what initially inspired you to get in the space that you're in, where you kind of came from, from the beginning, how that evolved into simply, and then how it got you to where you are today. Sure. Um, well, let's see, I guess it all started when I was about three years old and I was always connecting people. (laughs) (laughs) from, you know, um, you know, in grade school, I was always the girl that was like arranging dinners and arranging everyone's get togethers, similar to how you are. I've always kind of been that girl. And, um, you know, I knew I loved fashion. So I went to school for fashion, didn't even know that PR was a job. Um, (laughs) and I actually had a sister 10 years older than me that was living in LA at the time when I was in college. And she was actually the head of marketing for Von Dutch. Remember them? Oh yeah. (laughs) And I was like, wow, her job is so cool. I didn't even know that was, that was an option is, you know, to work with celebrities every day and all of these like cool magazines. So, um, when I graduated college, I moved out here and she started her own PR agency and I worked with her from day one. Um, and did that for about eight to 10 years and really built up all of my relationships with, 
you know, everyone in the industry, I was always kind of known as like the nice PR girl. And everyone always said, Oh, you're not going to get far. You have to be mean. You have to be a bitch. Like, eh, sorry. Can I swear? Yes. That's really fine. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> and, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how my career went for the first eight to 10 years. And I loved being in PR and it was so much fun, but I just, I was kind of over the thankless clients. I was over, you know, just the day-to-day grind and I loved connecting. That's, you know, truly, I found myself doing that every single day, whether it was an assistant looking to become a stylist or, you know, a blogger looking for the right contacts. I always was connecting people. So I was like, how can I do this as a job? So, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of trying to juggle it for a few months. And then finally I quit my job with my sister, which was the hardest thing to do and, um, gave myself three months to start our first conference, which was in LA. And I didn't know if it was going to be something people wanted, but I was like, I know I would want this. If I didn't have a sister that got me in the, in the door, you know, my foot in the door, I would not know where I'd be right now. So I wanted to help all of the other women out there that didn't have that connection. And, um, so I created the first conference I had, I think I had a speaker from refinery. I had a big celebrity stylist, um, you know, some big editors and bloggers. I think it was Shay Marie at the time was one of the only bloggers Mm -hmm. and we had 750 people come to that first conference, which was insane to me. I could not even believe like when I saw these people at the event. Um, so that was like, that was the very beginning. And then, um, and then we added New York, we did Chicago, we did Dallas, we did, now we're in Dubai. So we've definitely grown and, and gone international and um, started doing monthly workshops where you've spoken before, we do them at the Grove. And really, it's just all about connecting. That's our core goal and to do it with kindness. So you know, if you come to our event, that it's not going to be any mean girls. You can sit with us, you know, like let's be friends, let's empower each other and let's like take over the world and be like female entrepreneurs together. And I love that you as the connector had this idea to be like, I'm, I'm going to start this conference and I would love to know what kind of made you want to take that route as opposed to, you know, the, the plethora of different routes that you could have taken as, you know, a PR maven and a connector to really kind of bridge the gap between the influencers and the brands and the information that they need to know. You know, that's one thing about me. I'm fearless and I don't think about, Oh God, this is going to cost a lot of money or how am I going to do this? You know, I just jump and figure it out later, which sometimes doesn't work, but, (laughs) um, that's, that's kind of why I did. I was like, I think this would be awesome. And it's something that does not exist in the industry. And I really saw the, the need and the want for it. And there was, we were the first conference. I mean, now there's a ton, but we were the first one to really come out of the gate and be focused in the fashion and beauty industry. And it's such an industry where you don't have that connector. Like if you want to be a stylist, how do you do it? I have no idea unless you have a platform or someone to connect you. So, um, you know, and I didn't want to be in PR anymore. I was done with it. I, I I, like did my days and, and I was done. And you know, the, the bloggers weren't so big at that time that I didn't even think there was a real industry there for me to connect. I mean, there was, 
you know, agents and a few people like that. I didn't really see myself as an agent. I wasn't that cutthroat. I, I was too nice, I guess, um, to be like the typical agent. Um, but you know, as you know, now the industry has grown so much and now I am doing that. So I'm, I'm more of management on, on that side, but, um, you know, I, I just, I just took the jump and, and went for it. And then everything else kind of came about organically as I saw the need and, you know, people that came to our conferences wanted, you know, more of our events. So we added our workshops and then, you know, all of my friends from when I was working in PR, a lot of celebrities, they're like, I want to start a blog. And I'm like, yeah, throw my name up there on your site. I'll help with your sponsorships. So it, it was all really organic. It wasn't too intentional. My, my goal was just really to set out and, and do this conference and connect people. Absolutely. And I think that you did a fantastic job about it because at the time it was so unique and it was so like niche really with, with making sure that people came who, you know, they might not know how to write contracts. They might not know how to monetize. They might not know how to get brand deals. They might not know how to work with a stylist, whatever it was. It was kind of like the conference is the one-stop shop of information for that. And it still is to this day. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I have always loved about you and been inspired when it came to you and what you've grown is that you have such a clear understanding in the importance of sharing in this industry of influence as a whole. And I know that if, you know, I think that you understand that if this influencer and blogger space and industry thrives, then you and your business thrive. And Mm -hmm. with that said, you've always been, as you've said, so nice and so open (laughs) and so willing to share information and contacts and relationships. You're always connecting people. People, whatever it is that people in this industry need in order to grow, you've kind of been a resource for that, which unfortunately and sadly can't really be said about the majority of women in this industry. And right. when influencers, I, you know, I think that when influencers don't share in this industry information, connections, whatever it is that could really help this industry thrive, they are only hurting themselves in the long run because they're limiting the growth and the abilities of this space as a whole. And I think that that just, you know, you being so willing and open to sharing is just really attributed to your own self-confidence and your own abilities in this business as a businesswoman, as a connector. And I would love to know what you think about that idea of sharing information and contacts versus keeping them to yourself. And what made you decide to be that woman in this industry that is so open to sharing? Yeah, I mean, because... You, you always get it back tenfold, I think. Um, I've always been one very open with my relationships. I mean, you can tell when someone's trying to get something out of you. And of course, I'm not going to just open up my Rolodex to them. But it's it's like a two-way street. Like, I help you, you help me. Um, I, I want to always be able to call on my friends and, and they'll help me. And it's not asking for too much. Like you're not going to go, Hey, send me your entire contact list and let me blast them with a newsletter. You know, like I would never do that. And I don't think people would come to me with that. So if it's an honest, easy request, of course I want to help. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty open. A lot of people are very closed off with their contacts. I mean, I definitely saw that when I was in PR, um, And you kind of have to be like that when, with your clients, of course, like that's why they hire you. It's because of your contacts and you have the relationship. But now, you know, 
I, I definitely share the wealth all the time. Like, you know, we just had a, a little girl boss dinner and I, nothing makes me happier than connecting all of my relationships and all of my friends and seeing them do things together. And, you know, I love being the one that people come to as well. You know, I guess that's the PR girl in me, but I love, you know, feeling needed and people coming to me and asking me for, you know, what's my favorite, you know, restaurant to eat at and do you have a contact there or what's, you know, who's the best girl to help me with my social media or or who can build my website? Like I love referring people that I love working with. So, um, and I like kind of having my hands in everything. That's why I've got the conference and I've got our blog and I write for Forbes and I, you know, manage all of these celebrity bloggers. So I've kind of got my hands in all the industries. I love like knowing everything that's going on. So I think that helps as well, you know, so I can kind of take, you know, Forbes pitches and I meet those PR people and then I can connect them and maybe they end up doing the conference. So I love like getting my hands in everything. Yeah, and I think that that because you really do at the end of the day come from a place of just service, and I think that that you know, and I always stress that too, whether it's clients or students or you know, even on this podcast, I always tell influencers or bloggers who are trying to connect and who are trying to grow and who are trying to build those relationships for themselves. I'm like, you know, well, first off, in this day and age, it's not like the traditional days of PR that you and I came from, where like yeah. you know, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't social media. It was much harder to be resourceful. You kind of had to had to know someone to give you the contact email or phone number or name of a certain kind of editor or of this, you know, kind of brand, unless you had, you know, like a huge media days, like, like Cision that you're paying thousands and thousands of dollars for a year to use for that, for that mm-hmm. information. Well, nowadays in this, you know, digital age, people can be so, re- so resourceful. All you have to do is look up a press release or Google something and nine times out of 10, you can find a contact. So I think that it's really or- about... Go ahead. What about what about uh, Clearbit? Exactly. And oh like, my god! That and I would love for you, here. yeah, like share what Clearbit is. Okay, Clearbit. I actually learned about this at our session a few months ago. It's basically a like I guess you can attach it to your Gmail, and it's like a widget, and you can type in any company or any name or you know basically find any contact that you need in this widget. It's amazing. Like I've found so many contacts through this. I'm like, how is this happening? How is this real? And it's free. It's the best thing ever. Exactly. And it's like, again, like you sharing that information, there's probably a ton of people out there that might've known that Clearbit existed and just never told anybody. So I think that it's like you just always being from that place of service and really not expecting or really asking for anything in return is really what makes people want to share with you more. And I think that that's kind of the universal concept when it comes to bloggers and influencers trying to grow. I'm like, stop always asking for stuff. Like instead, mm-hmm. like ask that, ask that person what you can do for them. Exactly. You know, like, always say that. What I can always, I bring to the table? That. Yeah. That instead, like just number one networking tip, you know, don't ask for the favor, ask what you can do to help them. Exactly. It's like, what can mm-hmm. I do to help you? It's the number one icebreaker that I can offer to anyone for sure. Totally. Totally. Uh, my friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. 
You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions, whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, we're talking about service. We talked about you building a brand. You know, you are kind of, you know, you you manage you know, influencers, celebrities, that sort of thing. You're the liaison a lot of times between brands and influencers. But what about that influencer out there who may not have a team? You know, maybe they don't have a Sarah on, you know, their, on their list um, that they can pay. What are the tips that you have for those influencers without a team? How can they grow? What should they do? How should they prioritize? Um, well, I mean, there's agents out there for everyone and managers. So, you know, there's some agencies and, and management firms that specialize in emerging bloggers and influencers. So, you know, I would do the research and there's a lot of companies out there that are kind of automated that you can just sign up with all your info. I think four card is one of them. Um, there's, there's quite a few, if you Google like digital managers or influencer blogger managers, you'll find a bunch. Um, so that's a good way even to get started, just kind of making some money. Cause I know it's hard to straddle that. Like, do I quit my job and do this full time or do I stay at my full time job and do it as a passion? Um, so if people are at that level, it's really hard and I, I get it because you don't want to take the leap because what if you don't make money? But if you do take the leap, it could be your dream job and you could be you know, continuing, you know, to become more successful every month. Um, I've known people that have done both. So, you know, whatever the decision is, that's fine. But I think, um, getting signed up for some of those monetization sites will help, even if it's a few hundred bucks here and there for different sponsored posts, I think that that can all help. Um, so that number one, number two is going to as many networking events as possible. There's a ton that are free, follow all the brands that you love. They'll post about it. You know, they want cool people at their events and they want people that will share on social. So, um, you know, follow all of the brands that are, you know, brands that you like and, you know, sign up for their mailing list, tag them on social, um, just kind of get in front of them so they know who you are. Um, you know, and then again, going to networking events, there's tons in LA, New York and the bigger cities. Um, in the smaller cities, I don't know if there's as many, but you know, meetup has a lot Eventbrite. If you just kind of search on their different fashion events, I've made so many connections just going to different events. Um, and then also looking up some PR firms because they are the ones that kind of control the guest list and they, um, control the gifting lists and, and they're kind of like the gatekeeper to a lot of these brands. So getting in with them, like trying to schedule a coffee and, again, not asking like, Hey, can you give me a thousand dollars worth of free clothes? 
go in and say, oh my gosh, I would love to borrow this dress and then do a beautiful shoot in it and tag their brand. They'll then share it with their brand. The brand might post you on social. You know, a lot of things could come of it that way. And then they'll think of you when they're like, wow, she did a beautiful shoot with this dress. Maybe we should hire her for a paid campaign. So things like that, I think will come. But in the beginning, it's really important to just get your name out there, meet as many people as you can and, um, you know, make business cards, make it like a real profession and treat it like one. So, you know, be responsive, be professional. You know, there's so many bloggers we've worked with that I will continue to book over and over and over because they're so professional. They gave us great content. They were on time. Like that's 90% of it. Yeah, it is. And when an influencer gets to that place, like let's say that they're, you know, they're consistently bringing in a source of income, they're starting to get, you know, bogged down with the request. It's it's kind of getting to that place that they need to hire the support. As someone who's been on both ends of the table, when an influencer is thinking about building a team, who should be their first hire? Should it be the publicist? Should it be the manager? Should it be an agent? And then why do you think that? That's a tough one. I don't definitely don't think it's a publicist. I think that definitely comes later. Um, you know, you have to always think of yourself as your own manager and your own agent and your own publicist because no one's going to do it better than you. Exactly. Um, I've been, you know, I've heard of so many agencies and they're the big ones. And, you know, a lot of people are like, they did not bring me one thing. They took all of my incoming deals and yes, turned it into deals. But you need someone that's going to be proactively pitching you and really on your team and earning, earning that 15, 10, 10, 15, 20%, um, and, and helping you build a brand because that's important. Uh, I think that's how I really help a lot of my clients is thinking of them as the bigger picture and, you know, what's in five years, what's in 10 years, what are your dream goals and how do we get you there? So, you know, is it, making these, you know, relationships with other bloggers and doing collabs with them. Uh, you know, I'm getting off the topic, but, um, in terms of who to hire first, I, I, if it was me, if I had my own blog, I would probably hire an assistant first and have mm-hmm. them do kind of all the stuff that I don't have to be doing. And then I can focus on securing my own deals. That's me. If it's someone that wants to, kind of take a step back and not be in those conversations with the brands, um, then I would hire someone that's more of like a manager that can help negotiate deals for you and help pitch out, um, help, you know, bring in larger partnerships and relationships, um, and just kind of help overall with, you know, your brand as a whole. So, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I answered like three different ways. But. No, I think, and I, I agree with you because I think like you said, I mean, I, I do know some agents out there that are fantastic. I've, I've had mm-hmm. them on the show, you know, they're just, they kill it. Yeah. But I think that when it comes to really overall trying to build a brand long-term, a business long-term, you really do need to think in, in the sense of a brand manager, because, you know, when you put an agent hat on, that's really more about packaging deals and, you know, negotiating and, you know, a manager can obviously negotiate for you too, but they're really going to be looking out for the best interest of your, of your brand as a whole, because they really know where you're trying to go. And with right. that, they're going to say no to a lot which is, you know, a huge thing that I think that you have to do as an influencer is to learn Mm -hmm. how to say no. The Um, hardest thing to do too. It is. It is the hardest thing to do, but that is kind of, that's one of like my secrets. And I would love to know, like, if you could walk us through some of your steps or secrets that you've used to help build an influencer's brand and reach as kind of their brand manager. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think that's a big one is saying no. And it's hard sometimes with my clients. It's a little easier since blogging is kind of their side job. So right. it's not like, Oh my gosh, I need this money this month. It's, you know, it's, it's their creative outlet. So for me, it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I mean, we say no all the time. Some of my clients, you know, they turned down major, major, major deals. And, you know, it was all, we've all decided together. A lot of my clients, I work with their traditional agent and their traditional manager. So I manage them as a blogger. Um, so we'll all kind of get together on a call and figure out, is this right? Is it right for your brand? Um, and we've passed on so many huge opportunities and it's hard, but you know, a lot of times, A, they'll come back around and put together a different deal for even sometimes more money or, you know, another deal will come right around the corner that's even more on brand for them and perfect and we'll end up doing that. So I think as soon as you say no and you pass on something, some, you know, another better opportunity is always right around the corner. So it's very hard to do though, especially starting out as, as a smaller, um, influencer where you need that money and you don't want to say no to it. It's extremely hard, but honestly, I think the brands find it almost more appealing when you say no. And they're like, oh, yeah. why? I need to come back. Okay. Do you need more money? What do you need? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a game for them. So totally. And you always yeah. want, I mean, it's, it's like everyone wants what they can't have. And so nine times out of 10, when I say no to something, they always come back and magically that, that money that they didn't have just fell from the sky and they've got uh -huh. the money now and they have, you know, now they can work with us and they can, you know, be flexible a little bit. Um, and that's the other thing that I always tell, I always tell influencers as well is like, you know, always don't be so willing to just like throw out a number either because they have a budget too. And even though that they're probably sitting here and they're probably asking you what's your budget, da, 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 da. It's like, it's their campaign. You know, they're the one really with the budget. They should be right. kind of letting you know what the budget is, and then you can let them know what you can do for that. Exactly. And that's always, you know, negotiation 101. Never throw out the first number. No. But, you know, they're doing the same thing on their end. So if you come back and you're like, yeah, my, my Instagram post is $1,000, and they're like, great, we had 10000 budgeted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfect. 1000 is our budget. Right. So, yeah, it's 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 always a tough a tough game. I always try to hop on a call. Um, I think that usually helps. Um, I, I, I try to not throw out any numbers or any blanket statements across the board for any of our clients, but I, I like to get on the phone, really hear about what the full scope of work is, learn, you know, exactly what they want, what their goals are to make sure that that client is a good fit for it. Um, you know, sometimes brands, their end goal is sales. Right. Um, so certain, certain clients of ours don't translate to sales as much as other ones do. And some are more brand cachet. So certain brands will want, um, you know, a lot of press out of it. And some of our clients just don't get a lot of press, you know, and that's not a bad thing. They convert to sales. So it's, it's, um, learning exactly what they want. So then the outcome is, you know, is, is what they wanted from day one. And, you know, they continue to work with us again. So I, I like, I like to learn what their expectations are and how we can exceed them. Exactly. And I would love to talk more about the brands um, because you do work so closely with so many brands. What are some key essentials that you have found that brands look for when it comes to collaborating with influencers? And you might have just hit on that a little bit with kind of depending on what their goals are. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any other um, essentials that you could share? Yeah. Um, well, brands, for one, are getting way more um, 
keen on this whole industry and they have, there's so many analytics tools now that you can, you can, um, you know, see brand affinities, you can see organic likes and versus purchase likes. And you can, I mean, you can see everything now. We actually use this program called Tagger. Um, and it is mind blowing what you can see. You can compare different influencers. So it's crazy. So check out Tagger Media if you haven't yet. Um, and they, you can put any influencer into this system and you can get a full 360 view on their sponsored content they've done, their, um, where they travel, what they like, who likes them, how many influencers follow them. So all of this kind of detail is what these big brands are looking at. So it's not like, oh, let's just throw you some money and pick 10 girls with a hundred thousand followers. It's very specific and very thought out. Um, for instance, we just did a big campaign with Coppertone. We did our Miami pop-up with them and, um, we booked about a hundred influencers to come to our event. And I mean, we, we really scoured the internet to find so many women that they, they went through and looked at each and every one of them. And they look at, you know, have they posted about another, um, sunscreen in the past year? Have they, you know, have they used copper tone organically and tagged us? Have they used copper tone, um, you know, and not tagged us? Do they have children? Do they use organic products? Do they, you you know, they look at everything. So, you know, it really has to be an organic fit into their lifestyle and into their feed. So, um, you know, sometimes people got turned down because they, you, they do too much content in Spanish and that wasn't part of this campaign. So, I mean, it could be things that you can't really control, but they really, they want organic fits because the consumer now can sniff out an ad in a second. And, you know, obviously you have to put hashtag ad now as well. Um, but you know, they want something organic. They want to really, um, have the influencer connect with the brand in a real meaningful way. And they, they want them to be someone that, really buys the product. Um, and you can see that now just through organic posts. So that's a, a tip to use like as an emerging blogger or an established blogger is don't save every tag for a sponsored post. You know, sometimes you got to give the milk away for free to, to get the cow or whatever the saying is. (laughs) No, totally. And it's, it's about really at the end of the day, it's like, does this person organically and truly authentically align with our brand, our mission Mm -hmm. statement, what we stand for, or are they just doing it for a paycheck? And I think that, you know, you, you talking about tagger is a great thing just for influencers to to start to maybe scour that study that a little bit so they can even understand on their end, like what the brands are looking for, you know, what kind of consistency are they looking for within your own brand? What kind of engagement are they looking for? All of that stuff that you just laid out is such a gold mine. And I think that the savvier that these brands get, the savvier that these influencers need to make sure that they're staying on top of their own brand as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it goes hand in hand for sure. What do you think, and, and this kind of goes into that, and there may not be a perfect answer for the question that I'm about to ask, but I get it asked all the time from bloggers and influencers, so I have to ask and talk about it on here. What do you think makes a brand choose one influencer to work with or collaborate over another? Hmm. I mean, it really depends on the campaign. We've done, we've probably booked 300 bloggers this year for Dove Dry Spray. Um, and 
sometimes it's like the most random reasons. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Like we just did a campaign for them um, with stylists. So it was about their stylist um, like kit, you know, and Dove was in it because, um, you know, no white no white marks on like all these different colored dresses. So they wanted to showcase that. Um, anyway, they, they chose maybe about 10 out of our 50 stylists that we presented. And one of them, we were like, why didn't you choose her? She's got a great following. She's got great engagement. She's got, I mean, she checks off the list. Her, 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 um, Instagram posts are beautiful. And they said, well, because one of her old clients tagged about our competitor like three months ago. And I was like, oh, what? Wow. So, so it, it gets, it gets that deep sometimes because, you know, if someone's following her old client and they see, well, that's not organic. If it's in her kit, why would her client be using a different brand? Mm-hmm. So they go really deep. It's crazy. Um, so it sometimes it's, it's reasons like that. And sometimes it's, oh, her engagement is low. Um, Sometimes it's just, I like her look or I don't, you know, sometimes it's kind of like modeling, like right. you're either their look or you're not, right. you know, some brands want, you know, the traditional all American girl and some want, some want um, multicultural. So that's, that's a big, um, big industry right now is the multicultural. We did a number of campaigns with Latinas and African-American and, you know, that's definitely an emerging market that brands are really um, going after. And then someone, yeah, just the all-American um, blonde hair, blue eyes. So it, it really depends on what the campaign is. And you can't feel bad if you don't get it because you just might not be what they're looking for for that campaign. And they'll, they'll you know, potentially in the future use you. But, you know, you can't, you know, get heartbroken if, if you don't get chosen for a campaign. I'm, there was a reason behind it. It's just, you know, it always depends. Yeah. And it's, it's always kind of like a test. Like you, you have to remember this is, this is, this whole space is so new for everyone that mm-hmm. the, these brands are going to probably test, you know, many, many different things. And it's the same way that like the Mad Men era of traditional advertising was in the 1950s. They had yeah. to try a multitude of different ads, different looks, different ad specs, different magazines before they found what converted for their ideal consumer. And so it's like the same can be said with this new space of digital age. So I think that what you just hit on is a fantastic point of just like, you may not be their target market for this quarter because Mm -hmm. you may not look, you may not have the look or you may not live in the area that they're trying to convert. Um, So I think that that's, that's a great, that's a great uh, takeaway that you just hit on. And I would love to know, because again, another, the, the magic question, Um, I have my answer. I want to know yours. What about the following number? Does it matter? Yes or no? And why? The following number does not matter. And actually the micro influencer, I just did a story on this on Forbes.com, um, is the rise of the micro influencer. The large influencers rate pricing is so overinflated. The brands are not getting the ROI on it. And for that same price, they could get hundreds of micro influencers that are truly fans of the brands. They will post, they will sell. Um, the engagement is almost double. Um, so I don't think that the following is an issue at all. They really are looking at the engagements, the impressions and the reach. That is, those are the three buzzwords right now that brands are really looking at. Um, 
So, you know, it takes them more time to get all of those bloggers as opposed to just hiring one for a lot of money. But in terms of the engagement and the reach and and the sell through, it is bar none. Like that is the way to go for brands. Um, so I would say at least having 10,000 followers, that could be a benchmark because once you hit 10,000, then you can actually start making some money. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the sweet spot right now is 10 to a hundred thousand followers. I, I would agree. And then I loved what you talked about when you hit on engagement impressions and reach, because that's a, a lot of the stuff that, you know, I kind of have to go through every day. People are asking for the CPM, which is the cost per impression mm-hmm. and really trying to, you know, uh, streamline what that number is for each influencer. And of course that factors in on a lot of things as well, but they really want to know the, imp- it's like, I don't care if she has 620,000 followers. I want to know how many impressions she's getting and what the reach is. And if yeah. she, if, if the influencer is just a stellar influencer with fantastic engagement, the reach and the impression are going to be somewhat correlated with her following number or should be if she has a fantastic engagement rate. But, you know, if not, then, you know, that's when the brand comes back and says, okay, well, if she has this many impressions, that's the number that that we're going to focus on, not that following number, you know, or the engagement rate. I have, um, I have one of my clients, she's got just over a million followers and her engagement is the same as another person I work with that has 8 million. So it does not matter. And the $8 million or or 8 million follower person is like 10 times the price. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's it. That's the same, you know, situation on a larger scale, but the same thing with, you know, the, in the blogging world where, you know, you have 10,000 followers versus someone with a million, you know, it, 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 it is all about the engagement and, and, yeah, it's it's kind of converting back, like you said, to Mad Men with the CPM and, and looking at, you know, what exactly they're getting per dollar they spend. Totally. And I think that, you know, a lot of people out there may be like, well, what's my impression? What's my reach? I don't even know how to factor that. Well, luckily for us, Instagram has like really stepped up to the plate finally. And it's mm. all on your insights. So, I mean, anyone yeah. can just go on their Instagram, look at their last Instagram post, click that little name that says in insights in blue, tap it. And it's going to tell you your engagement, your impressions, your reach, how many people saved the photo. It gives you so much ample information that you can literally screenshot that and then send it to a brand. Like when you're, when you are going through negotiations and say, look, this is what I was able to do for the last brand, or this is what I was able to do for this, you know, this brand that gifted me this, you know, your competitor that gifted me this product, you know, mm-hmm. I was able to reach this, you know, this amount of people, this many impressions. Therefore, you can quantify, you know, because numbers don't lie. You can quantify right. how much you are worth at that point. And it's not like you're just pulling from the air. You're saying, you know, this is my, this is basically my equation. I am worth this much and here are the numbers to back it up. Yeah. And, and the only way you can do that, it's not if it's a personal page, you have to turn it into a business page. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It does have to be, or on Facebook, isn't there some kind of link with that? You can see it if it's, if your Facebook is linked to it, I could be wrong. Um, on that. But. I don't know. I know if it's, I know you have to turn it into a business for Instagram. I'm not sure on Facebook, but, um, yeah, if anyone's trying to do it out there and confused, it's, if you turn it into a business, you can, you can definitely see it on Instagram. And, um, and I think, I mean, that alone is like worth it. <laughs> Just, just to be able to have the insights like right in front of you for sure. Um, and kind of getting on to, um, 
more of challenges and techniques and that sort of thing. I would love to know from you, you know, what is, and and we kind of talk about this a lot on the show as well, but what is the number one challenge that you see from your perspective influencers face um, it like in this time that we're in? I mean, I think the number one challenge is just how many influencers are out there. So when, you know, they're increasing by the day and there's not, I mean, yes, the budgets are increasing from the brands every year, but there's so many people out there that are now like doing things for free and really bringing the bar down in terms of pricing. I've definitely seen the budgets decrease per post and per project and you know, they're like, well, I have someone, you know, the brands aren't as educated as, as others. And they'll say, well, I have someone else with the same amount of following that I'm paying this much to, why can't I get your client for that much? So I'm seeing a lot of that and people just undercutting pricing. So, you know, it's doing more work for, for less money, but, um, you know, I think the strong will survive and, and the others will not. Um, so I think it's kind of getting that part of the, um, industry kind of flushed out. And, um, so yeah, I think it's just, you know, who wouldn't want to be a blogger? Hi, I make tons of money, like taking fabulous outfit posts and like traveling the world. And yes, it's a lot of work, but I mean, who's, who wouldn't have that as a dream job? I would. Absolutely. (laughs) And I remember a few weeks ago, Callie Chiladinko was on the podcast and she was talking Mm -hmm. about that and just really kind of the industry as a whole. And, you know, we were, we were calling it like blogger, devaluation, just really Mm -hmm. undervaluing. Like when you do take a lot of stuff for free just to get the free stuff or just to get the shout out or what have it, what have you, you're really like under, you can potentially be undervaluing the industry as a whole because it does bring the bar down. Like you said. Yeah. And what do you think, um, you know, I know that we had talked about this before when it comes to the most effective social media platform. And you always say that, you know, for, for, you, for you and for who you work with, it's, it's, it's Instagram because that's where your ideal audience is. But it can be different for every brand. So I would love for you to touch on that a little bit because I think that there's a lot of times that influencers out there, they just get so focused on one platform. So, you know, they're, they're on Instagram and they're working on their growing their Instagram all day and they're doing all this stuff with their Instagram, not being even mindful or respectful of the fact that there are these other platforms out there that brands are on and brands thrive on perhaps more than Instagram. So Mm -hmm. could you kind of walk our listeners through that a little bit? Yes. And I know it is so hard. You could spend your entire day just doing social media because I mean, how many platforms are there now? It's overwhelming. So, um, you know, yes, Instagram is very important. But you always have to remember Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, they could go under tomorrow and what do you have? So it's always remembering what do you own as a content creator and you own your blog. So I would focus, you know, not 100% of your time, of course, social is very important, but focus on getting email lists and people to sign up with their email onto your blog to build that database that then if God forbid, you know, Instagram goes under tomorrow and you lose that following, which is how you make all your money, you still have something to fall back on. Um, so, or if Instagram changes their algorithm again, or changes, you know, it's, you're at their mercy basically. So, 
I always suggest to my clients is building their database on their website and, and, you know, driving the traffic there so then they can make their affiliate posts, post links. They can, you know, bring attention to the sponsored content they post there, their original content, and then of course have their email list. So then they can send a newsletter if there's, you know, partnerships they have, that's an added value for, um, brand partnerships is like, Hey, I'll send a newsletter out to my X amount of um, you know, newsletter subscribers. That's very valuable. That's how a lot of companies get acquired. And, um, it's, it's based on that value of, you know, their mailing list. Like look at daily candy from years ago. They sold for millions just on a mailing list because it's dedicated followers. Um, you can't sell your Instagram list. Like you can sell posts on it, but you can't, you don't own that. So that's what I always suggest. Um, but in terms of the different platforms, um, Snapchat, you know, if you have a very young audience, that's where they're going to be. Facebook is a little bit older, um, but it's people that shop. They have more, um, dispensable income. Um, then, you know, Instagram is obviously all the beautiful photos. I love Instagram stories. That's like, uh, I'm so happy they created that. And, um, and then Twitter is just for conversation. So, you know, maybe creating like an editorial calendar for yourself for social. So you're doing Facebook lives, which are huge right now for brands. They're paying a lot of money to do video content on Facebook. So, you know, maybe doing a chat with your friend once a month or taking through your closet or whatever your blog focus is, is doing something live on there. You know, start with once a month. If you're getting great feedback, add it to twice a month, three times every day and continue building, um, as much time as you have. Um, and then, you know, same with Instagram, like try to do at least one story a day and at least one to two posts a day and keep it very minimal until you can continue to build on it or you see a big growth there. Um, and something's really working then, then put more resources into it. I would agree. And I think that's such an amazing and just very, um, simplified way of explaining that like okay now i know what to do you know first yeah. <laughs> step get the editorial calendar so i know that the le- that the listeners are really going to appreciate um that that you just that you just drove home because it's so simple and easy to understand before we wrap up i would love to know what is one or some influencers that you see out there really kind of hitting the mark in terms of their brand and when it comes to collaborations and when it comes to organic content, who are those influencers and, you know, what specifically do you see them doing that you're like, Oh yeah, they, they, they've, they've figured it out. They're in Mm -hmm. a groove. Um, you know, who I've always loved is, um, damsel in Dior. I think she does a great job with content. She's real. If you follow her on her different socials, she is I'm friends with her. So that she is completely real. Um, and her organic content and her sponsored content are very similar. So she only, she's very specific in the brands she works with. She only works with brands she loves and you can see that in her posts and you want to buy everything. I do at least. Yeah. Um, And she'll talk, she talks a lot of times about just brands that she just genuinely likes. I mean, yeah. I, I remember somebody the other day was like giving her, <laughs> giving her flack. They were like, you didn't put sponsored on that post the other day. And she was like, it wasn't sponsored. I, I really like that product. I was just oh, sharing wow. with you guys. Yeah. But they, I mean, her fans were like on her followers because they thought that she had basically been doing a sponsored post and didn't put hashtag sponsored on there. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that just goes oh. to show how real, you know, she really is. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and she's not worried about the money she's, you know, cause I've worked with her on a lot of campaigns and it's like, how can this fit into my blog organically? How can this fit into my life organically? If it's not a perfect fit, she says no. And a lot of people don't do that. They'll just figure out a way or ask for more money. And she passes on a lot of things, which is hard to do, but you know, I think it pays off in the end because she stays very true to who she is and what she loves. So, um, and she thinks really creatively. She's, she, I think just signed with an agent. She's one of the only ones that's been self, you know, self managed. Um, she has an assistant and that's it. So she's very hands-on, which I like. Um, so yeah, I think her content's great. Um, another one that we've worked with in the past, it's a very different type of blogger. Um, Dawn, do you know Dawn McCoy? I love Dawn McCoy. She is just a great example of going above and beyond. She is just an absolute pleasure to work with. She, yeah, I, I can't say enough great things about working with her because yeah, our, like we did a big campaign with Dove with her and she just, you know, she went above and beyond. And that is what I think all bloggers should do. And it's not like, okay, let me do my one post and my one Instagram story. And it's so contrived. Like she really jumped into it and just like it organically brought it into her life and continues to talk about them. And I think she sent a thank you gift. Like she was just the sweetest and yeah. I will continue to book her over and over. Yep. And I think what's so magical about Dawn, who I'm, I'm actually really wanting to have her on this podcast. I'm going to make her do it whether she wants to or not, but I know yes. she will because she has a podcast. She loves doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, she's so great at creating a story, you mm-hmm. know, around the brand. And I think that's really what makes her intentional and authentic and stand out on her social media and, and with everyone that she aligns with. She's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you for sharing her. Okay. Well, one last question before we wrap this up. It's one that I ask on every episode. What does influence mean to you? Hmm. Influence to me has nothing to do with your followers and fans. It really means if you are in, well, I can't use the word to describe it. If you, um, stimulate purchases, if you stimulate, um, someone to buy something based on what you're talking about. If you, um, you know, I I think really at the end of the day, that's the definition of an influencer. Awesome. I love that everyone has a different answer. It's so cool. Um, Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. And if you are listening today, I'm sure that you had a lot of mind-blown moments, as I know that I did. So if you're wanting to dive deeper into any of these tips or programs or awesome little tidbits that Sarah drove home for us today, you can find all of that in the show notes, again, as it is every week over on www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. I will make sure to leave links and all of the tidbits to everything that she mentioned today and all of those great platforms that she shared as well. So again, Sarah, thank you so much. You're always such a wealth of knowledge and you're always so nice and so open and so giving and sharing with everything that you do. So I really do appreciate it. And um, where can everyone find you if they want to follow you, if they want to come to the conference this summer, where can people dive into that? Oh, thank you. Um, so everything's on our website, simplystylist.com. So the, um, 
tickets for the conference are up there. It's on July 15th at the Grove on the rooftop. We're building out. And then our social, it, my personal one is Sarah P. Boyd, S-A-R-A-H-P-B-O-Y-D. And then the Simply Stylist is at Simply on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see how this conference just blows it out of the water like it does every year this summer. Oh, thank you. Me too. I'm excited. Are you ready to create your own industry leading influence? For show notes, downloads and action based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode guest and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.